Welcome to Rooftop Church. This podcast is part of our Sunday sermon series, where each week we dive into the Word of God and the powerful message of Christ. Turn your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians. It's a valuable, it's a beautiful letter written by Paul to the church in Corinth. And we've been learning so much. And I, and I love it because in his letter to the church in Corinth, he talks about very practical and specific issues that any normal church, not, church, not just a church in the first century, but any church, any common church, even modern day, can relate to a lot of the specific topics they do talk about. So today, we will spend some time in chapter 10. Verses 23 to 31. If you don't have your Bible, you can refer to the screen ahead of you, you, and you can read along uh, with the rest of us. We're reading from the NSB version. Let's read together, shall we? All things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful, but not all things edify. Let no one seek his own good, but that of his neighbor. Eat anything that is sold in the meat market without asking questions for conscience' sake. For the earth is the Lord's and all it contains. If one of the unbeliever invites you and you want to go, eat anything that is set before you without asking questions for conscience' sake. But if anyone says to you, this is meat sacrificed to idols, do not eat it. For the sake of the one who informed you, and for conscience' sake. I mean not your own conscience, but the other man's. For why is my freedom judged by another's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I slander concerning that for which I give thanks? Whether then you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of of God. Church, would you read last verse, verse 31 with me? Let's read together in one voice. Ready? Whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer before we begin? God, thank you for gathering us into your house, Lord. God, we are excited. God, our hearts uh, are filled with gratitude, God, and even more desire to reach out for you with all that we have during the songs that we sing. God, we are thankful for your presence in our lives. God, as we turn our attention to your holy word, God, God, we pray that you would guide us, Lord. God, we pray not only for our heart's convictions, but God, guide our thoughts and and all that goes on in our minds as well, Lord. God, we can see this time to you. God, Holy Spirit, we give you full permission to, to do whatever it is that you desire, God. In turn, that what we desire is that we live our lives more in the likeness of your Son, Jesus. So, God, give us ears to hear and hearts to receive all that you have ready for us. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Uh, It's only February. We've been only uh, about six weeks or seven weeks into the brand new year. And how are you guys doing in the New Year's resolutions that you set? You guys doing okay? Uh, how many of you guys have set New Year's resolution in the year two, 2020? Good. Some of you guys, not all of, not, not all of us, but some of us still are old school and, and we set goals and we, and then we list things that we want to accomplish. We want to do things or we want to not do the things that we feel like, man, in the past we just need to get rid of some of these things, right? So for me, uh, one of these things, that one of the resolutions that I did set, the main big resolution is, 
I want to get healthy. Or I want to get healthier. And one of the smaller resolutions in achieving my bigger resolution is that I, I told myself and I made a promise to all of my family members that I would eat less of McDonald's. I know, before you stone me, okay, before you judge me, I know because, I mean, who doesn't love McDonald's, right? I love McDonald's. And, um, and I found myself uh, last year that I had, I mean, I don't know about you, but I was mainly drawn for their deals. So uh, I'm one of those guys, I look at the price more than I look at what I like, and I was immediately drawn by their prices. Those two for three dollars, uh, you could choose either McChicken or and McDouble. I mean, you guys, I mean, whoever's in charge of marketing at McDonald's, they're geniuses, right? So, and then they came up with any size drink, any size drink, any drink you want, even iced tea or sweetened iced tea, all for what? One dollar. That's amazing. So, uh, I found myself frequenting McDonald's I mean, a lot. I mean, I would often um, go, I, sometimes like leading up to the lunch moment, my biggest stress is like, do I want two McDoubles or do I split and go one McChicken or one McDouble? And no question about getting extra large drink because it's, it's on the house. I mean, if you're, I mean, if you are debating with that, I mean, you got issues, right? So that's my dilemma, right? But then next thing you know, I'm going there and not just once in a while treating myself i was like i was there like two three times a week and all the while because i'm pretty conscious right what i put into my body but sometimes it got so frequent and sometimes i would pastor tav and i we usually when we don't have appointments we take lunch together but sometimes i was motivated to eat mcdonald's so i wouldn't even tell them that I was taking lunch, I would sneak out and go to McDonald's, sit and drive through, get two burgers, get my extra large drink, and eat in the parking lot at McDonald's. That's how bad it got, right? At a certain point. No one, no one was telling me that I shouldn't eat McDonald's. Uh, no one was like complaining that I was like getting unhealthy. Um, but I caught myself and I told myself this year that I'm going to change that habit. I'm going to try to shed that habit. And I said, I'm going to limit only once a month, McDonald's, because I want to get healthy. Can I tell you, I'm proud to say that I've been keeping my resolution this year so far. I've only had to do it twice, but so <laughs> don't judge me. I'm trying, guys. So month of February, I'm done because the first February, I had McDonald's on Sunday. Uh, I was desperate. I think uh, my wife had to stay home, and I had to feed myself. I was like, you know what? What's easiest thing? Let's go to McDonald's, right? So anyways, I intend to keep my resolution for the rest of the year because I wanted to be more mindful of what I put into my body because in the end, my goal is what? To be more healthy. And this past week, I did something that I'd never done either. During lunch, I went out and I ordered salad for my own lunch. Um, not as an appetizer. We weren't at a potluck or we weren't at a family dinner, so I was like forced to eat greens and, and salad. A salad, entire salad was my entire lunch. Aren't you guys proud of me? I am. So I had salad all because I wanted to be mindful of what I put into my body. Again, no one was telling me. I was free to do whatever that I wanted to do, but 
because there was an inherent goal that I wanted to achieve, that I wanted to make sure that using my freedom, I wanted to choose that something was healthier for myself. You see this dilemma or this struggle or whatever you want to call it. Some of you guys think, Scott, get over it. Just a, just a meal. Uh, you, you got issues if you're spending that much time thinking about what to eat for lunch. But I think such dilemma is also true in the context of our walk with God or our life with God. Because in truth, things that we do, while not clearly defined as what I must or must not do, However, we can categorize our choices and our behaviors and actions into the things a bit better when we reframe it into what is good for me versus what is not good for me. Does that make sense? So when we understand and reframe our choices that we have into what is beneficial and what is not beneficial for our spiritual health. And I think we would achieve a whole new level of success in terms of reaching where we actually want to be with God. And even enhancing or maturing in the right way in our relationship with God. And, and the truth is that there are activities and passions that are like eating green salad or eating salad that will actually be beneficial for our own health. In, in our actions and choices that we do make, I believe that yield vastly different results based on how we go about making such choices. You see, Apostle Paul, in the context, in the text that we have just read, he's addressing this issue of, can I do it? Should I do it? Do I have the freedom to do it? Or what should I do? So Paul is addressing to this dilemma that many Christians at that time was facing. So a lot of times, a lot of these new converts, new Christians, come from the background of what? They're not their religious, but their, uh, 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 what is it, um, their ethnic background of being a Jew. So being a Jew for a long, long time, for centuries and even longer than that, a lot of these guys had spent their entire lives adhering to a strict set of laws or rules and regulations that guided in the specific ways of every facet of their lives. When to pray, how to pray, what to talk about, how to address one another. And, and in specifically in this context, even their diet, even what they ate on a daily basis, was heavily monitored and controlled by their Jewish laws. And Paul is saying, say, hey, reminding the people that you are no longer under the obligations of the traditional law. But he's addressing to a possible scenario, probably alluding to a specific instance that was mentioned in the letter. It's like, what should I do if Christians were invited to someone's house, a pagan's house, and they were offered a meat that had been used as part of sacrifice to idols? And Paul is saying, if that were the case, if someone offered you food and you did not know about it, he says, just you're free to take it. You're no, there's, no, there, there's no need for you to feel guilty or for you to be stricken with guilty conscience. You're free to eat it. But he says if Christians were to be invited to a home of a pagan 
and, 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 but if it was nudged to them, if they are told that, you know what, this meat was actually used for such sacrifice and such a, a ceremony, and he then encourages the believers that then you have the option to stay away from that. And he encourages them. But under any case, he reminds the readers or he reminds his audience that because now you are in Christ, you are no longer by the restriction. Uh, you are no longer limited and restricted by the laws and the traditions of old. And Paul is obviously aware of how people think, and Paul is also aware of the potential where people may abuse this freedom. Think about it. You think about what happened the freshman year of college when you moved out of your house. Maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I shouldn't assume. I mean, remember the first time that you had the chance to move out of your house? Your house, governed and ruled by your parents, came with all sets of rules. When to come home, how to dress, you have to go to Kumon, you have to go to SAT tutor, you have to go to church twice a week. You have all, you have all these rules. Remember when you moved out of house for the first time? No one telling you what you should do. You remember that? Maybe I'm the only one. I mean, just potential freedom, and you go bonkers. And if you have not gone through that stage during your collegiate years, man, power to you. You're a disciplined person. You're an honorable person, right? You're an obedient person. But remember that? I mean, I, I, I remember thinking, this is the greatest thing in the world. No one's telling me how I should live my life. So Paul is quite aware of the mindset of these new converts now in this context. It's saying, now, but be careful, you're free. You absolutely, there's no uh, legal restrictions that you have to abide by. And he says this, yes, all things are lawful. Okay, all things are permissible. Okay, hold on. Okay. All things are lawful, but not all things are profitable or permissible. All things are lawful, but not all things edify. And it repeats that same sentiment. All things are permissible, but not all things edify. Meaning, it's not just because you're allowed to do certain things. It doesn't mean it will benefit others. For them, there's this area where now unaddressed, not because they're no longer under the old law, or the traditional Old Testament law. So there's all gamut of activities and actions which they engage in on a day-to-day basis. They have no idea how they should feel. They, don't, they didn't know how to, if they should feel guilty, if they should feel free, or they should partake in it with freedom, or they should not. So all of these areas that they're kind of gray for them. And Paul says, consider all things are allowed, they're permissible, but not all things are beneficial. What Paul, uh, what Paul encountered with the Christians in Corinth is not very unique just to that time. It's not limited just to the time, but it happens even today. We too as Christians find ourselves asking, is it bad or is this good? As a Christian, is this particular action bad? Or is this activity, am I allowed to do it? Or am I forbidden to do it? Is it wrong or is it sin? As there are plenty of areas and topics where the Bible isn't too explicit about. Two weeks ago, Pastor Tavis mentioned some of these areas. And we also had extension, uh, 
extended discussion during our block meetings. So there are these areas where we call gray areas where the Bible is silent and they're not very explicit about. Now we want to have these lines drawn out for us. Is it right for us to do these things? Or is it wrong? Does God view us as sin or not sin? Is it okay? Right? But the whole thing that I... One reminder that I want to to suggest to you before we move on further today is that I want you to remember, I think it's important for all Christians to remember that we have been saved not just from sin, but for our life with God. So we have to have this shift in our mindset where no longer do we just check things off as is this right for us to do or is it wrong for us to do but remember that our goal isn't not doing the things that are prevented for us but also but understand that we have been called for life with God and in God and that will take to step towards living more Christ-centered life And honestly, this will take some work. It takes some discipline and being disciplined in the strength of the Holy Spirit with the purpose of sanctification. It's a different way of thinking and approaching our faith lives. Pastor John Piper, he he shares of this one incident where as a teenager, he listened to a preacher preach or give a sermon on the text of Hebrews chapter 12, 1 and two. And he shares that, and he shares in the passage, you know the passage about, let us now, as, as God is our witness, let us now throw off everything that hinders and the sin that entangles us easily. So, uh, uh, John Piper re- re- recalls the incident where he wrestled with the text, and he asked the preachers, what does it mean? So, how do I know? Uh, How do I go about discerning what is sin and what is not sin? And he recounts the memory and the response of the preacher telling John Piper, young John Piper. He said, the question that you ought to be asking regarding that text, regarding this running the race, running this raid. He says, reframe the question, does this help me run? Does it help me run? So going from, is it right or is it wrong for me to engage in this? It's a new way of understanding and approaching this Christian life. When we say, when we ask ourselves, does it help me run? Does it get in my way when I'm trying to become more patient, more loving, more kind, more gentle, more holy, more pure, more self-controlled? Does it get in the way of my pursuit of God. Does this activity, does this action help me run this race of faith? And he encourages the audience that we have to ask the maximal righteousness question rather than minimal righteousness question. And Piper would go on to say it further that, that the reason why that question isn't very often asked is because we're not passionate runners. Our focus as Christians, many Christians, our top priority is in running this race well. Rather, we are focused on what is it that what is the minimal change that I need to make in my own life? What what what, what can I do so that there's less the thing less things that need to be shifted in my life? 
We, priority, we prioritize convenience rather than what God may desire and how we can pursue God more passionately. And he says simply, it's quite convicting, right? He says quite simply, we don't want to run. We don't get up in the morning saying, what is the course today? What is the life that God has set aside for me? What is the task? What is the race that God has called me for? What is the calling in my life? What are the courses that God has set out for me? What are the things that He has created for me, for me to derive pleasure from? And and furthermore, that I understand and encounter, experience God in a more meaningful way. See, if we have that mentality about our lives then we will learn to, we will begin to ask, not, is it sin or is it not sin? Or how many sins can I avoid? Rather, we would concentrate on how many weights or how many stumbling blocks can I lay down so that my feet are nimble, so that I'm light in weight, so that I can run this race more efficiently and more effectively. Church, Do you hear these? What do you feel when you hear these words? Do these words resonate with you? Do we want to live seeking only to avoid sin? Or do we desire to run the race more proactively, more intentionally, laying aside whatever it may be so we approach life not as a mindset, is it right or is it wrong? Rather, is it beneficial or is it not beneficial in the context, in the purpose of me pursuing God with all that I have? And I believe this, is, this really is the key for us, uh, living truly this Godward life. Now, naturally, it, beca- it beckons us to ask, what among the things we do really allow us to run well. The things that, uh, that, we, the things that we spend so much time discerning, man, as a Christian, should we do this or not? Is it right for us? Is it wrong for us, right? Let me list off some of the things, okay? These are the things that I think about, potentially may get in the way of, things that we spend so much time, is it wrong for a Christian to be doing these things, right? So, I'm going to go just really common. Smoking, smoking cigarettes, or uh, um, gambling. See, this is some of the things that we uh, talked about, right? Is it wrong? Is it wrong for Christians? Should a Christian smoke or not smoke? About alcohol? Uh, let me throw in some other stuff. Uh, uh, how about dancing at clubs? Right? How about that? Is it, I mean, I mean be honest. Like, these are some of the things, right? And some of us who have been raised in church, these are the very things that we judge people on. These are the very categories that we spend numerous years on. Like, okay, you're doing that? Oh, you must not be Christian. Oh, you're smoking? Ooh, I smell like cigarette under your breath. Man, you're going to hell, man. Straight highway. Right? So these are some of the things that we have. So let, let me bring on this thing. What about, what about like binge watching television, Netflix, K-dramas? I know some of y'all, you guys can't get it out of your system unless you watch like 10 hours straight. Or you think, oh, that's just, honey, that's just Friday night. Some of you guys even longer, like binge watching. Is that, 
do we, where do we draw the line for that? Uh, watching rated R movies filled with explicit with sex and violence, is it okay for us? Is it right for Christians to watch rated R movies? I watched a movie last weekend. Uh, my wife and I have been really eager to watch. And then we had no idea what this movie was about. But you could kind of see the ebbs and flow of the movie and feel like, okay, there's an intense scene coming in. And you got, I was getting really nervous because we were, I was watching this movie not with just my wife, but my, uh, my, my, uh, my mother-in-law was watching. And I knew a sex scene was coming. I was like, oh my gosh. But I think it was the Holy Spirit that nudged her supernaturally. She all of a sudden got up and decided to brush her teeth. And I remember thinking, I remember thinking, okay, she clearly watched this movie. I don't know how, but, or God nudged her to, I totally avoided this awkward scenario watching like two people making love to each other. And like, you know, so is it right? Is, is, is it wrong for Christians to enjoy these movies? What about violence? I think we, I think sex gets too highlighted attention and violence less. Far more people are okay with like people like getting shot, their limbs getting cut off, they I mean blown. I mean, we're, we're is that okay? As a Christian, is it right or wrong? Uh, fantasy sports. As a Christian, should you participate in fantasy sports? Yes or no? Some of you guys have just looked away. At the moment I said fantasy sports, you guys looked away. I don't know why. Uh, what about gambling? What about playing cards? What about playing poker at your house? What about having tournaments at your house? These are just your buddies, your coworkers, but there's a pot, there's an entrance fee, $50, $100. I'm getting very specific. You guys are like, please don't talk to me, Scott. Just stop talking. Just stop preaching. Right? Is that okay? Are you, are, you, are you getting me? These are very specific examples. You know why? Because these are the things that I think about. It's like, God, how do I communicate? God, what's right? Where do we draw the line? What about marijuana? Edible marijuana. What's that term? Um, C, CMB? CDB. CMB is coffee meets bagel. Or rooftop is coffee meets Bible. CDB, right? What is it? CBD, right? Recently, pastor's nightmare became a reality two years ago or three years ago, however long. Because I remember 10 years ago having this very specific uh, debate with one of my college members. And I was giving a talk on like Christian ethics and what we should do, smoking, drinking, clubbing, all this stuff. And we were freely talking. And one of the members addressed this issue. Pastor Scott, but marijuana is so good. It just helps me soothe. It helps me relax. And I'm all good. Like, you know, I have this, like I, I used to be, you know, all nervous and I just have this tick. But when I take marijuana, I feel good. It helps me focus. It makes me a better worker in my work. And I remember thinking, man, you're going straight. You're going faster to hell than the guy who's... Or doing all thing. I remember thinking that. I remember telling me, you know what? I'm not going to argue with you what is clearly illegal. You shouldn't be breaking the law. By the way, you're not even 20. You shouldn't be drinking anyways. I said, I remember thinking, it's never going to come a time. Dude, just don't do it. And I was like, just don't do it. Just don't engage. 
And he says, watch. And he got really passionate. Just watch, Pastor Scott. There's going to come a time where they're going to legalize weed. And you and I are going to have this talk. And you're going to have to tell them a get different answer. I'm thinking, whatever, dude. Whatever, dude. Ten years later, prophecy came true. And now I'm in a place where as pastor, as, and as an avid reader of the Bible, I have to reconcile with the reality and the evolving culture of what we're seeing. They have indeed legalized marijuana. I've had recently even my pastor friends considering, you know what? But now it's legal. It helps me with my anxiety. So, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. What do we do with these things? What about painkillers? Tylenol, three. Vicodin, I know these things because they help. Right? They help you go to sleep at night. The list goes on and on and on. But just for argument's sake, I just named just a, a, a few here. And some of these things are really innocuous. They're not really, I mean, watching television, no big deal. But what if, we, what if I say you multiply the degree of it, you spend not just 30 minutes to an hour. What if you spend, some of us do this, we spend four to five hours watching television every single day. Is that really less bad than a guy who's drinking a glass of wine every day? Or a more uh, modern example is taking a glass and, and uh, a whiskey or bourbon? I mean, I mean, these are the things that we don't really have the answers for, right? Some of these things deal specifically with uh, excessiveness. And I know uh, y- you and I want to respond uh, by saying, man, what's so bad about these things? I've in, I think by listing the examples, I think I'm pretty confident that I've included 100% of you into one of these examples that I've just given. And we want to ask, like, they're not really bad. What's so bad about these things? And I absolutely understand that. Totally justifiable. But I also make the point, I, I, I want to understand the spirit of Apostle Paul when he writes this letter. And it says the focus is not what is right and what's wrong. Is it right or is it wrong for Christians to indulge in these activities? He says, is it beneficial or is it not beneficial? Or in the words of John Piper, does any of these, do any of these things, do any of these things help me run? How does this particular thing help me run? And if I can have you guys frame these activities, if I can have you guys committed to the task of running this race that God has given to me, running this race faithfully, that's my goal. When you understand that, you will no longer see things as, is it right or is it wrong? Because there's no end. God knows what they might legalize five years down the line. Ten years down the line. Who knows how the culture will evolve? How do we know what to judge and what not to judge? Right? 
So may you and I accept the fact that our priority is, man, Jesus Christ, God, the author and perfecter of our faith. He is our goal. And we want to run this race faithfully. And whatever it is that hinders me from completing that task, I better make sure and I better be willing to set that aside. I better be ready to lay that aside because I'm so focused on running this race. What stumbles me may be different than what stumbles Pastor Tavis. What stumbles me may not be so stumbling for Sasha. It's different. What slows me down in my race may be different than what slows you down in your race. No one should be able to dictate or set the parameters for you. Only you know how best you can run the race. But imagine the power, the life, the joy that you and I will have. When we experience, man, we are more light on our feet. I'm able to run more swiftly. I'm able to experience. There's this thing called uh, runner's high. I'm still waiting for that. But they say it's, it's, it's euphoric. It's, runners swear by that there's a, there's a point when you run. I say it's, it's, like, it's like it's not even you doing any work. You just somehow this like out-of-body experience is just a momentum carrying you. Again, I've never experienced that. But people will tell you the runner's joy and high. Imagine as Christians, we are so focused on our goal. And disciplining our bodies, we get so used to, our bodies used to it. We're no longer focusing on what we should or what we should not do. We're running this race as our eyes are fixed on the author and perfecter of our faith. And that really is my prayer for you and me as we run this race of faith. I want to, I want to borrow the words of Apostle Paul in his letter written to the church of Colossae. Colossians 3, verses 1 through 6. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to you, earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. He says, reminds us, set your, thing, uh, set your heart and mind on things above. Be focused on the race, the spiritual race that you are running. Every time there's a discussion of what I should do or what we should do or we should not do as Christians, this, this talk or topic of spiritual discipline, whenever spiritual discipline, that notion gets brought up, uh, always the the last the backlash or the or the opposing argument is that man the word discipline it's become such a stigma in, in the Christian church nowadays. We don't like the words when we use the word discipline. 
or we don't respond well. Even the general audience doesn't respond. Say, well, do it because it's good for you. We don't we don't naturally like feel very good about that, right? But I want to tell you, like, it, it sounds restrictive. It sounds uh, binding. It sounds to force. But I want to tell you, don't let the fear of legalism rob you of the benefits of a regular pattern of walking with God. Someone challenged me, someone nudged me a couple years ago saying, well, Scott, you should pray only when you feel motivated to pray. You should, Christians should never do it out of the sense of obligation and duty. So I was really challenged because that person was really like adamant about, you know, never want to operate out of the spirit of legalism. So it completely made sense, right? So I was motivated for a time being. So you know what? Oh, Scott, only do it when you're genuinely motivated in the spirit and you, you, you use the freedom of will and do it. So I decided to pray for a short time that, you know what? I'm going to pray only when I feel like praying. So I applied that even praying for meals. I'm going to only pray when I'm truly like excited about this, when I'm truly reminded, man, this is God's blessing. I'm going to thank God for the meal that God has given me. So I, I, mo- I moved out of the spirit of like authenticity. You have to be authentic, not discipline or habit, right? I did that, right? And, and, and one day went by, two days, three days. I don't know how long, but you know what? You know what I realized? I wasn't growing in more gratefulness. The more and more I found myself, it's just so much easier to not pray at all. It was just so much more convenient for me to not to take the time to pray. So I wasn't growing at all in the spirit of being more thankful. In fact, it had the opposite effect. I was forgetting. I was growing more in thanklessness rather than thankfulness. What about someone saying, well, don't read the Bible. Don't set routines. You should only read the Bible when you feel compelled by the Holy Spirit to read the Bible. Only when you are driven to the point where like, you I man, I really want to do it. Do you think that, led, that leads us to reading more of God's word? If we wait for that, it doesn't. So this, um, so I'm saying, be free. Don't be bound by anything. We're free to absolutely to choose whatever you choose to engage in. But again, Mindset is what? Seek out the things that are beneficial to us. What would help me run in this race of faith? So I'm going to just recap here, okay? Oh, man. Oh, I missed the the edit on the slides. Um, So three things really quickly. Seek out what is beneficial, And I mean this spiritual and non-spiritual sense. First of all, seek out what is beneficial in your life. Assess, set aside the time, all the activities, all the things that you devote your time and space into. Seek out what is beneficial and not beneficial. And have a chance to commit to things that are beneficial. Maybe spending time with your wife or your uh, spouses, maybe that's a good thing, right? Quality time is good, right? But maybe using that quality time, just watching television or watching a movie together, that's good too. But maybe is there a way, is it more beneficial for us to be talking at this time? 
then you should be considering, ask the right question, what is beneficial? Am I allowed to do this or not? No, what is more beneficial? Seek out what may be beneficial for you. Second, set aside a specific time and diligently attend to them. Set aside a specific time and diligently and faithfully with regularity attend to it. Meaning, I'm, asking, I'm, I'm nudging you, get in the habit of filling your hours and days with helpful and healthy things. Number three, be disciplined in ways that are unique to your own weaknesses. Meaning, identify the things that slow you down in your faith life. Identify the things that tempt you at greater scale. Identify the things that trouble your heart. Again, this is highly personal. What weighs me down is not something that weighs you down. So understand what these things are. What are the things that slow you down in your life with God? And have the chance and have the courage to set that aside. God, give me the faith, God, because I'm committing to the next few months, staying away from these things, because when I engage in this, when I spend time playing cards, when I spend time reading articles and articles on, on, on the internet, when I spend time thinking about money, because these things don't help my faith life. In fact, they are the exact hindrance my faith life then have the courage to identify these things and set them aside 